Give me some glamour, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today, we're talking about our August Books on the Radar. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about our August Books on the Radar, August book releases that we are the most interested in. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm doing great. I am super interested in this evening recording that we're doing. This is a fun change. I know. We're trying something a little bit different. It's not that late, but it's around dinner time. So we're going to do a little bit of book talk, etc. after dark. Yeah, I'm excited. I had a really hard time narrowing down my book choices for August. I don't Mm -hmm. know if August is like the last great release day like or release Uh dates before the fall, but there were a lot of choices. So the I, I don't know, these are these are going to be fun. I'm interested, but I had more. So I will post those on Instagram or for sure. And we had some extras in our summer bonanza that we're not going to talk about again today. So if it was in our summer bonanza, they are not included on our list just because we want to try and minimize the amount of titles we're repeating. Before we get into book talk, Renee, tell me, what are you loving lately? This week, I am going back to skincare, and I immediately, (laughs) you're making me laugh. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Hashtag books and skincare. Yes, I love that hashtag. Can we make that a thing? (laughs) I mean, I think we have. I think we've done, I think we have made that a thing. Okay, when you last week mentioned your tinted moisturizer, and you mentioned a little something called hyaluronic acid in your tinted moisturizer Mm -hmm. that made me go that made my brain go ding 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 i was like oh i gotta share something and then i was like oh i don't know if i should do books or i'm gonna do so anyway i am doing this because i think that this is really a fun skincare hack and i don't know if you or the listeners know about it have you heard of the ordinary hyaluronic acid it's a two percent straight hyaluronic acid solution. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of this? Do you know that that's the one sitting over there in my skincare drawer? No way. You already have it? Yes, but it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. But tell tell the listeners about it. Oh, I thought I was going to get you with something you did Mm -mm. not have. I these are my two passions, books and skincare. Okay. So, so well maybe we can compare notes on how we use this. So this is called the Ordinary's Hyaluronic Acid 2% 2% plus B5. It's for dry skin, which I also have. It's just straight moisturizing. You put it on after you wash your face, but before your moisturizer. However, I think you can mix it with your moisturizer. I never do. I put a little bit in my hand and then I tap it on. That is the key. Do you tap? Oh, 
I do not tap. Okay, why do we have to because tap? Because it's because it has a sticky feeling to it. And and if you read some of the reviews on Sephora at least, people complain about it being sticky. Well, you can't rub it. You have to pat it. Pat it and let it dry. That's mm-hmm. the key. That is the That's key. That's the key. And for hyaluronic acid, what it does is it attracts it attracts moisture to your skin. So you have the steps absolutely like I do. You wash your face where it's still a little bit damp. Then you get your hyaluronic acid yes. on because it then, draws in moisture. Then What happens next? Then your nighttime moisturizer or mm-hmm. – well, I really just use this at night, right? Especially in the summer, I don't need a double. Yeah, yeah. But I in the winter, definitely, I could definitely do this during the day. But right now, I use it at night. It is vegan, cruelty-free, and has no oil, alcohol, silicone, nuts, gluten. It is a great product. And it is $6.80 for one ounce, double that for two ounces. Yeah. I didn't actually know it came in a two-ounce option, but I'm glad you mentioned the price because I can't believe it. I don't know how they get away with this witchcraft. Well, I don't know either. It's its own brand, but it's such a like under the radar brand, The Ordinary, Mm -hmm. and these other moisturizers that are putting hyaluronic acid in them, they can then up their price. But you don't need to do, you don't need to do that. You can just do this and then do your regular moisturizer. Go straight to the source. Okay. Hashtag books and skincare. That was The Ordinary Hyaluronic Acid. I will link to Sephora, but you can, I'm sure you can get it at other places. I think you can definitely get it on Amazon too. That's what I'm loving lately. So that was a big skincare tangent. Look, if anybody... When I tell you that skincare is a passion of mine, I watch skincare YouTube. I am on it. And I feel like I wish I would have gotten started even sooner than mm. than I did. So I'm like, yes, if you're, you know, no matter your age out there, it's never too late. I try and get my mom into skincare too. And she's just like, whatever. I don't like it. <laughs> she, I don't even know like what she uses. But yes, if you guys have any uh, skincare favorites, definitely hit us up. For sure. And what are you loving this week? So this week, I have an app recommendation. I might use this even more than the Kindle app, which is saying a lot oh, for me. Okay. This app is called AnyList, and it's an app that allows you to create and share lists. Have you ever used it? Yes. I, ha- See? I okay. do. I have it. However, I've only used it a couple times for my grocery list. Okay. So that's Exactly what I use it for, too. I use it in a few ways. First, obviously, it's great for keeping lists. I love to make lists, and I like the idea of a handwritten list and a notebook, but I am terrible at keeping up with papers, so I like that I can access this on my phone or my computer. And I have lists for literally everything. I have one for podcast to-dos. I have daily to-dos, work stuff, but my favorite way to use it is the shared grocery list. Because what any list also does really well is store your recipes. So I cook a lot. And anytime I come across a recipe I like online, I import it into the app. And then when you're cooking, you can check off the list, the steps that you've already completed. It also helps with meal planning because it has a calendar where you can list out which recipes you'll use for which day. And then when you're ready to go grocery shopping, you can click on the ingredients 
in the recipe and it automatically adds it to your shopping list. And I have the paid version, which is $9.99 for a year for one person or $14.99 for a family. And what it allows me to do is share the list with other people. So my husband and I share it and that way we can both add to the grocery list or access it when we're shopping. I'm notorious for purchasing ingredients and then forgetting why I bought them. Like, why do I have (laughs) cilantro in my fridge? I don't know. But this app really, really helps me with that. So I just wanted to share it in case anyone else out there is obsessed with lists and keeping things organized. It's called Any List. And that's it. I love it. I did not know... It had those features. I have a feeling I need to get the paid version mm-hmm. for, you for might the rest of get- the recipe features. I bet it's yes. okay. And it's $9.99 or $14.99 a year for the shared features bad. for the recipes. Not bad at all. Literally, when I tell you I use it every day, instead of putting recipes on Pinterest, which I know you don't no. use, but I I have a big Pinterest. So I like pin recipes and then like forget about them forever. This is nice because it keeps it on my phone. And then when I'm looking at, all right, what groceries do we need? I look at my recipes and add it. So hopefully that's helpful to someone else. I like that. It would be helpful for me if I decide to start cooking more. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, I I love lists. I'm still an old school post-it. If it's not on my post-it, which is mm-hmm. on the counter, then I will forget it. But then I leave. So you have like a, I have a, you have I have many post-it? Post-its? Yes. I'm, oh. I, my, and really I have, you know me, I've, I've kind of read much about the psychology of this. Your brain remembers it better if you f- actually write it down mm-hmm. versus using digital. I believe that. And that really works for me. So I have multiple, I'll have multiple post-it. If, if it's not on a post-it, Chances are I'm going to forget it. But then I tend to leave the house and forget the post-it. <laughs> and then forget the post-it, yes. You know what? I'm actually going to use this as a transition because I was about to say, Renee, I got to get you into the digital world. But my latest read, if you were living in the world that my latest read was set in, that would actually be really helpful to have written lists and things that are written down versus on your phone. Oh, okay. Because- tell us, Tell us about it. Because my latest read is a book that I first mentioned on our July Books on the Radar episode. It is Lights Out in Lincolnwood by Jeff Rodkey. I literally just finished it this morning, and this could not be more in my wheelhouse. It is a character-driven family drama set smack dab in the middle of an apocalypse. Oh, that's perfect for you. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) You have the Altmans, and they are a family of four. They are going about their everyday lives when something very bad happens. Their phones, computers, cars, TVs, they're all dead. So you have the dad who is riding a train into Manhattan. The girl was taking a test in high school. The son was in gym class. And then the mother was pouring her first drink of the day. All of a sudden, everything gets cut off. And there's a plane that falls out of the sky. So the story is told by four alternating parts. And you kind of get to see how each family member handles things. And the best and most clever part about this is that none of the family members realize how bad things are. For example, the dad is on a train, sees a plane fall out of the sky and drops an AirPod. And he's like worried about this AirPod. He's like, where's my AirPod? Like people are... 
I'm sorry, that would be me. (laughs) (laughs) That would be you. And I would be the other lady next to him who's climbing over him, busting down the window to get out because, hello, we're trapped and like nothing's working. It's the end of the world. (laughs) I really liked the buildup and the ambiguity as to what was going on. And we got to see how thoroughly unprepared they were to be in situations where their money can't fix things because this is a very well-off family and When push came to shove in terms of keeping everybody safe, they were very unprepared. You also get to see their neighborhood and how the town itself devolves. The thing that I really liked is that the author manages to explore dark things, but balanced it with humor. It made me laugh and the characters were very realistic. And it made me think about how I would handle things if a suburban apocalypse came to my town. I wanted more from the ending, but not in a bad way. It made sense, but it was more of a, I really care about this family and I want to see how everything turns out for them. But still, this is a highly recommended from me and it's Lights Out in Lincolnwood by Jeff Rodkey. Did you listen to that or read that? I did both. So I went between audio and I had an e-galley. Okay. So you were happy with the audio? Yes. And actually, there's four narrators for this. Oh, good. That- which worked well. They, the narration, I'm glad you asked. The narration was really well done. Okay. I asked because I only have that on audio. I recommend it. I was hoping you said that was pretty good. I am glad that worked out for you. My latest read, I am going to try really, really hard not to gush. And I don't, like, I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I'm not. But I okay. love it so much. <laughs> this okay. is Razorblade Tears <gasps> by S.A. Cosby. I listened to it on audio, and I have to, have to, have to tell you, I have to mention the narrator, Adam Lazare White. Can I tell you, I thought Santino Fontana would be my number one audio narrator forever and ever but he is going to give him a run for his money. Wow. I know. That is major I praise. don't know how I'm going to decide. That is my, major I praise. know. I don't know how I'm going to decide on my top audio by the end of the year. I mean, it just may be a tie between these two. I cannot express enough how if you are at all interested in this book, please try the audio. Right? Please. It is Absolutely. fantastic. I also listened to it and I fully co-signed like I am an early to bed kind of gal. I stayed up late finding things to do, creating errands because I could not let this book go without knowing how it ended. Exactly. And you know, I totally agree. You know, I started this yesterday and I said, Tina, I want to bring this as my latest read and I don't know if I can get it finished. Oh, I was up till a little bit after midnight. And that was I mean, you know, that was with one AirPod in. All day long. I mean, I took a little break to go to a bookstore, but (laughs) I I got through it and I could not go. I was so tired. I could not go to sleep until I knew how it ended. I know. And I think what I said to you was, I hope you don't have a lot going on today because once you get going, you're not going to want to put it down. Oh my gosh. Okay. Gushing. I'll tell you real quick. I mean, this is everywhere. A lot of people know about this. It is worth what everybody is saying. It is a black father, Ike, a white father, Buddy Lee. Their sons were married and they were murdered, leaving behind a granddaughter who Ike and his wife get custody of. Now, to me, this is a vigilante justice story, which I love so much. But these characters also, they were so very flawed. They were not by any means perfect. They came together to 
avenge their son's deaths. And to me, this entire story, I kept thinking, this is a story about regret and revenge and how they managed to grapple with both things. And oh, their regret as fathers, because they were not supportive of their sons, as they called it, their quote, lifestyle, right? right? So he was able to bring into this story, each of the fathers had their own racial biases and homophobic biases. And he did such a great job of putting those in as part of their characterization, but also making them as characters grow and learn from their mistakes. However, the sad part was that they could not make it right with their sons. Right. That's what I was just thinking is I wish the sons could have seen the growth oh, from their father. Exactly. And you felt, right? You felt that regret. Mm-hmm. And this is right in the very beginning. This is the setup of the book is that you have these two sons and kind of the fathers that didn't understand them, but come together, like Renee said, yes. because they have to avenge their murders. Right. I have no idea how this played in print, but on audio, the way that the narrator brought both Ike and Buddy Lee to life, I mean, I laughed at parts. They, It was clever. It was witty. It was emotional. And I will say it was very gory in parts. I think I was driving and there was a part, and Tina, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. There was a part and I was like, oh, oh my God, no. Oh, it was very gory. There is a lot of violence. So heads up for that. Michael Conley blurbed this and he said it was superb. Cuts right to the heart of the most important questions of our times. And that is exactly right. It was really I good. I could cry right now. I literally could cry right now. I loved this book so much. And I hope we're not overselling it, but I honest to God don't think we are. I don't think we are either. I am so happy for this author and this success. I think the film rights have been bought. I follow him I on Twitter. So. Uh, mm-hmm. He posted yesterday, I think yesterday on Twitter, that he was so happy that it had made the New York Times bestseller list. And it is so well-deserved. Pick it up, please. Please try the audio. It's Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Yay, I'm so glad you brought that because I mentioned it in our Summer Bonanza episode as the one that I was the most excited for. And I am delighted that the book that I was the most excited for worked out. But not only that, that it seems to be just everyone is loving it widely. It's getting really, really good reviews, and I swear it deserves it. So I'm really glad you brought that. So for our Books on the Radar episode, this again is going to be one of our reoccurring series. We love to do this. When I tell you that I was researching books to add to my list like 20 minutes before recording, (laughs) it is the truth. (laughs) So what we do is we each bring five new releases that we're excited about. So Renee, do you want to go first? Sure. And as we were kind of talking beforehand, August seems to be a heavy thriller month. Heavy Mystery Thriller Month. I tried to bring a couple, and I love mystery and thrillers, and I tried to think about what else I might be interested in, and I did find a couple, so I want to bring a couple of those too. I'm going to start with Bullet Train, which comes out August 3rd, and this is by Kotaro Isaka. Have you heard of this one, Tina? No. I mean, I probably saw it at one point, but tell me about it. This is a translation, Japanese translation. And, okay, picture this. You have five assassins, and they are all 
psychopaths because, I mean, these are not government-trained assassins who may have some empathy. These are actual, like, assassins for hire, and they all end up aboard a bullet train traveling from Tokyo to another destination with one simple task, grab a suitcase and get off at the next stop. So first you have Ladybird, and unbeknownst to him, there are also four other assassins. They are all after the very same suitcase. They're not the only dangerous passengers aboard. You have several others, and you have them playing off of each other. So you have a cat and mouse between the assassins when they all realize they're all on the same train, and then they start to realize that their missions are not as unrelated as they first appear. So this was a massive bestseller in Japan. It's billed as a propulsive thriller with high energy, surprising humor, and a complex net of double crosses and twists, which I love the sound of. The question is, who will make it off the train alive and what awaits them at the last stop? And that was Bullet Train by Kotaro Isaka. That sounds so good. How did you I find know. this recommendation? You know me. I, <laughs> well, that's why I was I'm like, out there right. researching. I, I don't know, actually. I either found this on NetGalley, because I have a copy of it on NetGalley, but it was also on Book Riot's uh, new release. But I okay. think I already had a copy of it. So I'm not sure. It crossed my path as a, I'm always looking out for what thrillers are coming. I'm more of a visual person. So if I see a cover of a book, I could be like, oh, yeah, I know that one. But if you tell me about it, I, I'll be like, I don't know, never. Really? Heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's funny how my brain works. I think this title grabbed me initially. And then I saw in a short description, Assassins on a Train. I was like, mm. oh, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> how about you? What do you have first? So first, we're going to go a little bit literary with me. My first pick is Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. And this is a debut that comes out on August 3rd. It's literary fiction set in the Pacific Northwest, and it's in a logging town. It's set in the late 1970s, and the story centers on the Gunderson family. It's a family who has made their living logging in the Redwood Forest along the California coast for generations. It's very dangerous work, and Rich, the father, wants a better life for his son. So he makes the rash decision to spend their family's life savings to buy the ridge that they're logging on. The problem is he hasn't told his wife. His wife is a midwife, and she has spotted a pattern when it comes to her female clients. They are losing pregnancies at an abnormal rate, and Colleen herself has lost several pregnancies of her own. So Colleen begins to suspect that something's up in the area that they all live in, and she's traced it back to the herbicides that the logging company uses. It's affecting their pregnancies. When she finds this out, as you can imagine, obviously, this has major implications for both her family as well as the town and their livelihood. If you're like me and you like character-driven literary suspense, this one might be for you. This was Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. I have seen that 
on quite a bit of indie book lists. I feel like I've read that it is a little bit tough to get into. So definitely not a thriller. But once in a while, I love a literary suspense, a literary mystery, something with a little more meat on the bone. Like I like to alternate between like my normal thrillers and then something that's suspenseful but has some heft behind it. And it kind of reminded me, of course, of the movie Aaron Brockovich and all of that where, you know, something in the area is being poisoned and it's affecting the resident. So I kind of love that environmentalism angle as well. So I'm going to read that very soon. So hopefully I'll bring it as a latest read. Okay, great. All right. Next for me is another August 3rd release. And that is Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. Have you heard of this? You look confused. I do look confused (laughs) because I feel like I know it. Tell me about it. Okay. It has a really cute cover. It's pink and white. That's probably why I'm like, and oh, flat, I, yeah. like upside down flowers. Okay, this is a romantic comedy. It is described as laugh out loud about ex boyfriends, imperfect parents, friends with kids, and a man who disappears the moment he says, I love you. Which it did remind me of like the concept of being ghosted when I saw the title. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Nina is the main character. She is single. She owns her own apartment. She's about to publish her second book, has a great relationship with her ex-boyfriend, lots of friends, likes to party. She downloads a dating app and she does the seemingly impossible. She meets a great guy on her first date. Max is handsome, well-built, has attractive looks, But more surprising than anything else, Nina and Max have chemistry. Their conversations are witty and ironic. They both hate sports. They like to dance. They happily dig into the nuances of crappy music. So they basically have a lot in common with chemistry. However, Max ghosts her. And when he does, Nina is forced to deal with everything she's been trying so hard to ignore. Her father has Alzheimer's, which is progressing. Her mother is in denial of that. Her editor hates her book, her new book idea, and her best friend from childhood is icing her out. So I really like the sound of this because it is different from my mysteries and thrillers. And it also seems like it could be something like a romance with substance because I do not like just cheesy Like rom-com. That's not your thing. I really don't like a lot of rom-coms. I want some substance. I like the idea that it sounds like she has some family issues and drama going on. I'm not saying that, I mean, Alzheimer's is serious. I don't want to say like drama, but she has family troubles. It's not just a light and fluffy read. It sounds like it has more depth, which is what I really like in my romance. And I'm also wondering just by reading this, why he ghosted her. I want to know. That's what, that was my question. Exactly. I'm like, where did you go, dude? Come I want to know. So that was Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. Good. All right. I like that one. And I think I'm going to have to check it out because you kind of sold me. No, we sell each other. We do because we don't know what we're bringing. No, and that's the fun. Next up, I'm going to get us back on the mystery and thriller train. So mine is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. And I called this one. We don't share the titles beforehand, but I was like, I really want this one because it sounds so in my wheelhouse. And this comes out on August 3rd. I think it's the one that I am the most excited to read from August because it has got a trope that I love. 
you have a group of college friends coming back together to rehash the bad stuff that went down when they were last together. You love the college or school kids returning, right? Love it. Yeah. Love it. A, A friend group, college, whatever. I love it. If they like have to come back to their hometown and like revisit something bad that happened. Yes. Bring me all of those books. (laughs) So here you have Jessica Miller and Jessica is prepared. She refuses to be the same girl that she was when she left campus. She wants everyone to see her as she is now confident, beautiful, and most of all indifferent to their stares and judgment. 10 years ago, her life fell apart when her best friend Heather was murdered. It's never been solved, but someone knows something and they're not ready to move on. Someone is determined to trap the killer and to make them pay. The friend group are forced to confront what happened that night and the secrets that they've been trying to hide for 10 plus years come to the surface. You have dual timelines, a dark campus setting, and themes of complicated friendship and obsession, which, guys, this is perfect for me. (laughs) And I think... I've seen some early good reviews, so I'm very excited about it. This is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. I love the title. Yeah, it's a good one, right? Oh, for, yeah. I mean, it's, I at least know, it's memorable. I want to know why she's holding a knife. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Yes, that's perfect for you. And when you said, like, when you were describing that as your perfect combination of elements, my next one is some of my... <laughs> I'm staying on the mystery thriller train with you because, but the, my next one has so much of what I love because I love suburban drama. I love like, give me some weird families with secrets in a neighborhood and I need to know what's going on. So my next one is The Cul-de-Sac by Joy Fielding. Ooh, how did I miss this one? Because I love a cul-de-sac. Yes. Exactly. This comes out August 10th. The setup is perfection. You have, obviously, you have a cul-de-sac. Someone who lives on this cul-de-sac will be shot dead in the middle of a sultry July night. You have, it sounds like five families. So you have five families. Who will be shot dead and who will have done the shooting? Will it be Maggie, the perfectionistic wife, or Craig, the husband who can't live up to her expectations? These two have packed up their children and fled their life in California, hoping for a fresh start in Florida, only to find that the demons of their past may be hovering on their doorstep. Or could it be Nick, a highly respected oncologist? Or his wife, Danny, a successful dentist, both with well-kept secrets of their own. And there's my word, secrets. <laughs> um, I, I need to know what their secrets are. Or Julia, an elderly widow whose troubled grandson has recently moved in with her, introducing unsavory habits and even more unsavory acquaintances into her formerly quiet existence. Then there's Olivia and her husband, Sean. Having lost his job at a prestigious advertising agency, Sean is depressed, resentful of his working wife, and drinking heavily. He is also prone to increasingly violent fantasies. And how about... Oh. I know. (laughs) I mean, we've got a very interesting cul-de-sac of people. Last but not least, what about the newlyweds, Aiden and Heidi, whose marriage is already on the rocks 
due to Aiden's reluctance to stand up to his intrusive mother. Matters aren't helped when Heidi befriends Julia's grandson. So see the webs forming, setting the stage for a major blow up. So you have all these neighbors, they all have secrets, and they all have stars. And guess what? They all have access to guns. Why? (laughs) I mean, come on. I love it. The cul-de-sac by Joy Fielding comes out August 10th. Doesn't that sound so good? It does sound really good. It also, I like that the one husband has a drinking problem. Because I've read so many books. That's Where like, it's oh, always wife, the, the wife, mo- the wife. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm like, oh, good. See, that you know, it's not just women that can have right. fall into that. Exactly. I love, that sounds good. I love that it's not, and everybody's not in one house. It's not like a locked room mystery where everybody's yep. in one house. It's a cul-de-sac. And it's guess a cul-de-sac what? mystery. There's a cul-de-sac in the back of my neighborhood. So, oh, is that where all the weird? You never live? know what's going on. <laughs> okay, I can relate well, to this. Yeah, my next book is not for you, Renee, at all. But I'll tell you about it's it a memoir? anyway. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, what is it? Okay, my next book is The Night We Burned by S. F. Kosa. So this one comes out Ooh. on August 10th. And it has one of your anti-buzzwords in it. It's about cults. It's about Ah! cults, baby. (laughs) Yes. So, okay. It's a psychological thriller about a woman named Dora. But this I think you would like. She works as a fact checker at an online magazine, which I thought was really fun. Oh, that'd be a perfect job for me. Mm -hmm. What a fun job. So Dora has secrets from her past, and she will do anything to keep them buried. But when a murder crops up in her old town... Her identity is at risk of being uncovered. So she has worked 20 years to distance herself from what went down, but it looks like she might have to reveal herself. So 20 years ago, there was a deadly fire at a cult that she used to be a part of. And now she has knowledge that might help the police with what's happening now. So it looks like things are happening again. There's a pattern. She decides to contact the journalist covering the case to try and help. Even though she alters facts about herself to hide her identity, along the way she gets sucked back into the world that she tried so desperately to leave behind. So this one is The Night We Burned by S.F. Kosa, and it comes out on August 10th. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, not for me. I, have but a re- I know it, it had a fact checker and there's secrets involved. So I was like, maybe I could get you with those, but... Yeah, you might, you might if the cult if it's not cult heavy. We'll see how cult heavy it is. Right. So I will keep you posted. I have heard good things about that author. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next for me is a fairly short description because there's actually not a lot out there about this book, and it is the Showgirl by Nicola Harrison. It comes out August 10th, and I really, really love books that might center on. Something like the circus or in the Prohibition era, like the Jazz Age and all that. I That's kind of a little subgenre of something that I really like. And this is set in 1927 when Olive McCormick moves from Minneapolis to New York City. Also, I love books set in New York City. This really caught my eye. She's determined to become a star in the Ziegfeld Follies. Extremely talented as a singer and dancer, it takes a lot of perseverance, but she finally makes it on stage. And what she does, all the glamour and excitement is everything she imagined. It's worth all the sacrifices she had to make along the way. Then she meets Archie Carmichael. He's handsome, 
wealthy, and the only man she's ever met who seems to accept her modern ways. She's independent. She has a passion for success. And he accepts that. But once she accepts his proposal of marriage, he starts to change his tune. And Olive must decide if she is willing to reveal a devastating secret, ding, ding, and sacrifice the life she loves for the man she loves. I am really intrigued by this description because I want to know how he changed his tune exactly, what the devastating secret was. And to me, if he changed his tune, that sounds like he went from a good guy to a bad guy. And then why would she Mm -hmm. want to stay with him? I don't know. I like everything about the way this one sounds. And that was The Showgirl by Nicola Harrison. This one I did catch. It caught my eye because it has a gorgeous cover. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And I also like the prohibition age. I like women in historical fiction that kind of go against the grain and have to figure out whether or not they're willing to do what their husbands or whatever want them to. So exactly. It sounds really good. This is my type of historical fiction versus like a, a World War II. I mean, completely. I do like some World War II, but if I'm going to pick a historical fiction over like anything else, I like something like this. I'm with, with you New for York sure. New York City and, I mean, some showgirls. Like, this sounds really good. Yeah, I like it. All right, what's next for you? All right, I got one more mystery and thriller. This ah, was a very, awesome. yeah, like I said, this was a pretty, or I guess you said, it was a heavy mystery. It uh, is. Whatever, you know what I'm trying to it's say. It's a heavy mystery thriller month. Up next is How to Kill Your Best Friend by Lexi Elliott. And I just love the title. First of all, I think that's a fantastic title. And I picked this for our list because I read The French Girl by Lexi Elliott a couple years ago. Really, really liked that. So I think this one has promise. And it comes out on August 17th. How to Kill Your Best Friend is about another group of college friends. You know, I literally love that. (laughs) How do you find these? That's so funny. I don't know. They just jump out to me. So you have Georgie, Lissa, and Bronwyn, and they have been inseparable since their college swim days. Swimming has always been an escape for them from their problems, but now their shared passion has turned deadly. Lissa is the strongest swimmer of the group, and she unexpectedly drowns while swimming off the coast of the island resort that she now owns with her husband. Her friends know something is up. She is the strongest swimmer that they've known, and they don't believe that she drowned for a second. But they do go to the resort to honor her life. And as soon as they get there, things feel off. There's danger lurking in the corners of their luxurious private villas. And to make matters worse, the weather takes an ominous turn. So all of the guests get trapped on the island and no one knows who they can trust. I love the idea that this turns into a locked room mystery set on an exclusive private island. And it sounds like the college friends are going to try and figure out what actually happened to their girl. This is more of a slow burn, and I've heard that it takes a little bit of time to build up, but that once it gets rolling, it's unputdownable. So this one is How to Kill Your Best Friend by Lexi Elliott. Okay, let me know about that one. It kind of reminded me of that book that you read in, I think, like our third episode, where the power goes out. Oh, uh, Her Daughter Lies. Her Dark Lies yes. by J.T. Ellison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it reminded me of that a little bit. So I'll be curious to see how this one goes. Okay. Yeah, if I am going to pick up a lock, like a quote unquote locked room mystery, I love the island setting for that, right? Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds so good. And then in the winter, 
I mean, for the winter, because for us, because we get it's snow. It's got to be a cabin. Blah, blah. It's got to be. It's got to be gotta somewhere be else. Yes. Oh, yes, my God. For Jean. sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I okay. get that. What's that next? Is perfect. Okay. Shockingly, I have a mystery <laughs> thriller. You do? <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. I, I know. You're going to be really surprised to hear I have that. It is called The Last Guests by J.P. Pomar. Have you heard of this one? I thought I did, but I feel like that title sounds familiar, but it's kind of one of those that mixes up similar words. Okay. So I, yeah, me. exactly. It comes out yeah. August 31st, and I love – this sounds – like it took a really unique spin on the whole thriller concept. So a wife finds herself racing for answers when the decision to rent out her family vacation home takes a deadly turn. I love this because, I mean, Airbnbs are huge now, right? So this is a really clever idea. Newlyweds, Lena and Kane don't make it out to their vacation home on Lake Tara Wera as often as they like. So when Kane suggests they rent the property out on weekends, she agrees. So the home has been special to her family for generations. Their neighbors are all signing up to host renters, and she decides that they could actually use the extra money. So what could go wrong? At first, Lena is amazed at how quickly guests line up to spend a weekend and at how much they're willing to pay. But both Lena and Kane have been keeping secrets. Secrets that won't be kept out by a new alarm system or a locked cupboard. (laughs) Not the cupboard. (laughs) I mean, okay. I guess maybe Airbnb people lock their cupboards if they don't want people to get in certain ones. That's probably true, though. Yeah. It it could be. When strange things begin happening on their property and a visit takes a deadly turn, Lena becomes convinced that someone out there knows something they shouldn't. And when they come for her, there will be nowhere left to hide. I don't know. I feel like this could be really, really good or meh. <laughs> it looks like Lake Tarawera is in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. At least that's what my cursory Google search told me. Well, that makes sense because I think I have heard, I think I got this from the Australian girls. That Debbie at sense. Stories and Stacks recommended this to me. So that would make sense. Well, that's good. You can have a New Zealand setting. That's different. Yeah, that would be my first. I hope, I don't know. I I like the sound of it. I'm I'm always interested in giving a thriller that has a slightly different take on what's happening. I want to give it a try. So I hope it works out. That was The Last Guests by J.P. Pomar. Okay. Yeah, that one sounds good. Okay. Finally, I have The Guide by Peter Heller. This one comes out on August 24th, and I added this one to my list because I love the last book I read from Heller called The River, and I was very happy to see that this new book contains one of the same characters from The River. I'm not going to say his name because if you haven't read The River, this is going to be a spoiler if you hear the character's name because one of the characters in The River doesn't make it, so I'm not going to say his name. In the guide, you have a young man who is grieving the loss of a loved one, and he moves to Colorado to work as a tour guide at Kingfisher Lodge. Kingfisher Lodge is nestled in a canyon on a mile and a half of the most pristine river water on the planet, apparently, and it's known by locals as Billionaire's Mile. 
It's hidden behind a heavy gate, and there's a sign up front that reads, Don't get shot. It's a resort that, <laughs> right? It's a resort that claims to offer boutique fishing at its finest. It's safe from the viruses that have plagued America for years. So, whatever that means. It offers a respite for wealthy clients. The young man moves out here to try and get a new start, and he gets assigned to guide a well-known singer, and his only job is to tend to her needs and to lead her toward the best trout he can find. But then a scream pierces the night. He comes to realize that this idyllic fishing escape might be a cover for something more sinister. I love when you see things that are perfect on the surface, but there's something sinister lurking mm-hmm. beneath yep. and like everybody's involved and it goes all the way to the top. Like that sort of book floats my boat. <laughs> I like that too. Peter Heller's writing is gorgeous and I have no doubt that this will be another beautifully written, suspenseful book. If you haven't read The River yet, I do recommend reading that before the guide because like I said, there might be a spoiler, but this one is The Guide by Peter Heller. I actually have that one. So we what? are we are on the same page. I have that one. I have a copy of that. Oh, I thought you'd been on your list. No, like, no, no, no. No, I have a copy of that. It sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. What's your shelf edition? Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> is it a long story? No, it's not. But I mean, I got to stick with the mystery. I got to stick with the thriller genre. Mine's I do. One too. It's I was, fine. Look. Hey, I mean, it's the time. They're gear, they're gearing us up for fall. They want us to to really get these thrillers. Get ready, right? Get they, ready I for fall. They're, they're giving us all of the thrillers now so that they can like, I don't know, maybe focus on some spooky stuff or right. maybe some more heavy well, literary I mean, fiction. I don't know. Like load us up because fall and winter are the time that we want to read thrillers. I want to read them all year long, but Maybe people are, are seasonal readers. So my shelf edition is Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Kurian. Oh, I love this cover. Ah, yeah, yeah, you've this heard of it. This is a good okay. one. Do you know what got me with this? Um, Lisa what? Gardner blurbed it. And I love Lisa Gardner so much. And she said this was fresh, fast-paced, and fiendishly clever. If you love watching true crime, I do. And wonder about the psychopaths among us, I do. <laughs> this is the book for you. I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, this is a story about Chloe Severy. She is a freshman honor student, a legging-wearing hot girl next door who also happens to be a psychopath. And I immediately thought, maybe she knows Joe Goldberg. Oh, maybe like it's a maybe female friends. Joe. Like maybe she could be like Joe is. I'd be all for that. So she spends her time on frat parties, yoga, and plotting to kill Will Bachman, a childhood friend who grievously wronged her. Chloe is one of seven students at her DC-based college who are part of an unusual clinical study of psychopaths. This is where I really think... Yes. This is going to hit like the nail as far as like unique premise. So these students, like herself, lack empathy and cannot comprehend emotions like fear or guilt. The study is led by a renowned psychologist and it requires them to wear smartwatches that track their moods and movements. When one of the students in the study is found murdered in the psychology building, 
a dangerous game of cat and mouse begins, and Chloe goes from hunter to prey. So obviously, she attempts to identify the killer and then put her own plan for revenge into action. I love everything about the sound of this. <laughs> yeah, I that was, sounds good. Uh, That's psych- really I good. I have a degree in psychology, and like I'm sure, if, I mean, if there was a study on like psychopaths, I would have wanted to know about it. <laughs> you would have signed up? <laughs> I would have totally signed up to read about it. <laughs> Not be a part of it, but really. Oh, about it. okay. Got it. <laughs> this was Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Kurian. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to get that one too. Yeah. We're we can we can chat about this one. Okay. So my shelf edition is from one of my all-time favorite authors, Stephen King. And it's called yes. Billy Summers. I I don't know how I missed this. Like, I didn't hear about this coming out, and we don't have to wait very long. It comes out in August, on August 3rd. You have a character called Billy Summers, and he is a sniper. He's a killer for hire, and he's said to be the best in the business. But his services come with a catch. He'll only do the job if the target is truly a bad guy. Billy wants out, but there's one last hit that has to get completed, And of course, things go very, very wrong. This is a story of revenge with a complex hero. And it sounds pretty character driven, which are some of my favorite stories. And I already have this one pre-ordered. Oh, I know. It's called Billy Summers by Stephen King. Isn't it interesting how, for some reason, Stephen King's new releases fly under the radar? Isn't it strange? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, here's my new book, by the way. He's like Beyonce. He just drops it with with no premise. I just saw this, I think, when I was researching for this episode. And I was like, hold on. Stephen King has a new book coming out. And then I read read about it. And yeah, I debated about pre-ordering it. But I put it on my library hold only because his last two books were like. You didn't like? No. I did. One thing about Billy Summers is that it's a full length book. So I know he's had some novellas in the last couple of years, but Billy Summers is like 500 something pages. Yeah, I didn't. I DNF the Institute. Uh huh. And I forget. Was it The Outsider? Yeah. I didn't like it. Okay. You didn't like it? No. But you know what I loved that this one reminded me of? I mean, on a on the flip side, I loved mm-hmm. Mister Mr. Mercedes trilogy, but he was a really bad guy. But this sounds like a bad guy that then flips it and tries yeah. to only kill bad people, right? Right. So I, you know, I love a quote unquote bad guy who's trying to redeem himself. Exactly. Like, yeah. So this one I think is going to be really good. Yeah, I, I want to read this. Definitely, we will add this to our Stephen King list so we can talk about it. Sounds good. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us out by following us wherever you listen to podcasts and by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and Renee at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. For $12, double that, $12. What's double that? Double that. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> Scratch Double that, that for double the amount. 
I read, wait, no, I lied to you. I did both. I, I uh, had it. <laughs> the liar. <laughs> Renee, you look so I, chagrined I, that I, your wine is empty. It's not empty. <laughs> you were like, it's very close. You were peering into it. I was like, oh my in, God. It's, and I, I, it's very close and I have no more. No, it's you don't downstairs. Have any more. Oh, damn it. <laughs> 